if you're wanting to have an updated mission and vision by the time all of your youth students have become your main congregation, then you need to be pioneering through your youth ministry right now. And that's what we were doing. The, the mission statement that we came up with became the strategy of our church by the time that we were done. You're listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the City Network podcast. My name is Robert Frazier and I'm one of the hosts and also part of the leadership team with City Network. We are here as a group that's all about helping healthy churches grow and multiply in our city. We want to see church plants happen all over our city, but we know that requires healthy churches that are growing. And so our podcast is all about helping you do what God's called you to in your context, learning together from practitioners and friends and experts across the country, and really diving into what shapes us as leaders in ways that helps us do the things God's called us to in his kingdom. So today I've got one of my good friends, Andrew Branham, um, who is one of the pastors at Hill City Church here in Boise, who will also be hosting our City Network Conference February 6th and 7th of 2023. So make sure to keep your eyes open for that. We will have registration out here in a couple of weeks. But Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, let's start with your story. Uh, tell me where you come from, how you how God called you into ministry, and what your journey's been like. You got five minutes so make it make it snappy oh just five (laughs) (laughs) easy well i i grew up out in the great white north of fairbanks alaska and we were part of this tiny traditional uh christian church church of christ full of old people and there were a handful of us youths (laughs) and um you know there's just one paid staff member um, at the church. And that was our dad. And he did everything. He was the, the worship minister, the youth pastor, the, um, counseling shepherd, all he was, he was everything. Uh, so I, I had no concept of youth ministry being like a, like a job, like something you could do for a living to us. It was something where there were just these people older than us, whether they were college students or retirees that took an interest in our lives. And I have these distinct memories of being a middle school student hanging out in like college dorm rooms with these these guys much older than us. But they they made us feel like we were cool, which is shocking <laughs> to have that kind of interaction with someone in their you know early 20s. And that really stuck out to me and impacted me. And so um, I had no idea what that meant as far as what I would do one day for a living. Uh, But I knew that I felt valuable at church and as a part of a church community. And so I did end up going to Bible college, but I went for uh, a worship ministry degree. I played guitar and was taking some piano lessons. And honestly, we can all thank God that that did not work out. <laughs> Wait, did, do you grow up in like Church of Christ, like no no instrument Church of Christ sort of thing? I'm uh, not that old school, man. Oh, we had okay. song, 
it yeah, was like instruments. it was like Stephen Curtis Chapman, Rich Mullins kind Absolutely. of Church of Christ, you know? Yeah, 90s, <laughs> 90s style. I love it. Okay, yeah. So shout shout to the Lord. Our God is an awesome God. All did, that. <laughs> did your did your worship professors have like a sit down and be like, listen, Andrew? You suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, what happened was I just like I found out that like youth pastor was a was a thing that you could do that you could yeah. actually have yeah. that job and the moment i found that out i switched majors and i haven't looked back ever since i've been hanging out with kids um yeah since my early 20s and i absolutely love it have no dreams of um climbing the ladder and becoming a lead pastor or a teaching pastor my place is with the chillins and the youths and there's no other place i'd rather be in a church on a sunday than hanging out with teens and kids excellent so okay so you you decide to go into youth ministry what's what are those first jobs and like how how does god shape you from you know early 20s to your late 30s in ministry yeah one of the first um volunteer gigs I had that eventually grew into an internship was um, at at a church here in Boise that was seeker friendly. And at the time they were doing that, it was cutting edge. I know that everyone's like figured out how to speak to people that aren't Christians now, but at the time um, they, they were talking about things in a way that churches just weren't doing. And they had an electric guitar on stage and that I was sold. I was sold the moment I saw that, uh, that sweet, <laughs> sweet. You hadn't seen a lot of like reverb at that point. Never. <laughs> so I guess it's in between. <laughs> it's an in-between church of Christ, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things that really stuck out to me from that, that first volunteer gig in youth ministry was the youth pastor at the time, um, made the comment to me that he would not recommend getting into youth ministry Unless you undeniably felt like Jesus was standing in front of you and calling you to it. Unless there was, there was no way that you could do anything else and find any level of satisfaction and joy in this life. And I, I took his advice quite seriously and actually took a year off of college. I dropped out of Bible college for a gap year. And I went to Australia to do modeling and acting and, and, ex- and really explored the question. Like, are we talking hand modeling or what are we talking here? Oh, full body, full body, Robert. <laughs> you don't hide this I need, face. I need pictures. I'm going to text Josh, your brother right now and ask him. For they, they have been, they have been eradicated from the internet. I've made, I've made sure. <laughs> it's not great for podcast form anyway you can't you can't really no, describe you can, always put, you can put show notes with links it's not a problem <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but i spent that year trying to answer the question can i do anything else besides youth ministry and be happy and it's so funny because at the end of the year i wasn't like serving at a church <clears throat> i didn't have any kind of official internship um i i was just i was there doing my own thing and i found um, that the just organically, I ended up mentoring all these students and I was baptizing kids and I actually ended up bringing like three kids back from Australia to Bible college with me. So I think, think to me, it was, it was safe to say God definitely wanted me to be in youth ministry. And even when 
I tried my hand at a few other things. It just happened naturally anyway. So I might as well get paid for it, you know? As, as little as you get paid, you might as well get paid as something. little as you get paid. You might as well get something. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, so you're at that that church, and then have you? How many churches have you been at in youth ministry since? You know, I did a couple internships here and there just to get some different experience. But I really stuck around at that seeker friendly church and got a lot of my initial experience there. And so much of what I've learned about what works with next gen. I learned in that context because we were really pioneering new vision and new mission for our, our main church congregation, but we were navigating it through the youth ministry, which I really do believe is the best way to do that. If you're wanting to have an updated mission and vision by the time all of your youth students have become your main congregation, then you need to be pioneering through your youth ministry right now. And that's what we were doing. The, the mission statement that we came up with became the strategy of our church by the time that we were done there. And we, we had the freedom with this smaller vehicle, this subculture within the organization to take tight turns and to make quick shifts and to pivot on the spot and do new things that we maybe were too afraid or apprehensive to try with the main congregation and multiple services. But with youth students, you know, what the heck, like give it a try. Yeah. And we did, man, we, we tried all sorts of things. We had freedom to fail and to learn and to fall forward and try, try new things. And we found a lot of things that worked really well there. And we also found some things that, I never want to do again. <laughs> there's, well, there's uh, like so let's let's dive in, and I we can say the name of the church. You don't need to be to be coy about it. Okay. That was that was at the pursuit. The pursuit. Right? We were at the yeah, pursuit. Which, yeah, you know, in, in Boise at that time, you know, it had it had grown from a church plant to several thousand people over the course of a handful of years. So there was, you know, there was a yes. lot going it, on. It at one point was the fastest growing church in the Treasure Valley. We went from. A, like a, a couple hundred people that were meeting in a movie theater to well over 3000 that were meeting at their current location. Yeah. Which was a phenomenal story. And, you know, I, I personally know almost a dozen people who came to faith in those years through what was happening, the pursuit. So God was doing something, but I I've always, I've always really respected what you guys did in youth ministry there, because I thought that the model was something that should be emulated, not just by other youth ministries, but, by by other churches. So I'd I'd like to dive in a little bit. What do you think was some of the secret sauce in terms of culture, values, and even structure? Because you had what how, like three, four hundred kids in the student ministries there at one point. Yeah, and fifty somewhat leaders as well. Yeah. So yeah. so walk me through what what did you guys learn? What was what was powerful? What what would you not do again? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. Um I think some of the things when we were first exploring the idea of creating renewal, which was our sixth through 12th grade program that met um, midweek on Wednesdays, um, we went to City Church in Seattle just to see what they had cooking over there because they were doing a junior high, high school and college combined ministry. And I had never heard of or seen anything like that. And we were at the time running a junior high ministry on Tuesdays and a high school ministry on Wednesdays. And we were doing the exact same thing. It was the same message, the same game, same questions for small groups. 
Mm-hmm. And it was like, why are we doing so many game days? Like we, we got Sundays on top of these two midweek programs we're running. Is there any way we could actually like make this work together? And so we went and we visited with City Church. And one of the big takeaways was that it's when you first make a big shift like that, you're going to lose some of your high school students. But if you invest in your junior high students long enough, specifically if you have high school students investing in your junior high students, when those junior hires become high school students, that's culture now. Mm-hmm. Student leadership is now the culture. It's the norm. It's what your junior high kids expect to be a part of when they get older. It's what they look forward to. Well, and, and, we, and what you're speaking to there is like a long-term vision to say, this is not a two-year yes. plan. This is a four or seven-year plan. And in student ministry too often that, you know, people's tenure is this long and their vision is this long and they never get there. So that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And with built in loss and heartache, I think that's the other thing is you don't sign up for, you know, a four, four to seven year plan without knowing like we're no longer going to have certain students that want to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, so we we had to listen to the Holy Spirit more than we were listening to even some of our own kids and how how they took the program at first. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you that when we hit that three four year mark and we saw those junior high students become our high school class that started serving in junior high that more than more than any other thing I can point to defined renewal for me was a highly engaged generation of high school students that were that were exploring their calling before they ever graduated high school. And you you want to know how to keep your upperclassmen engaged, give them some skin in the game. Yeah. Give them a give them a role to play now so that they're not just being spoon fed until the day they get to college. And now they're just looking for a nice young adult ministry, which is just an older youth program. So, like, so that's a move from consuming like the high schoolers yes. who want to show up and consume a community that is there to fulfill their social needs to an invitation and empowered calling to be a part. Yes. And that's that's the kind of definition that Jesus would use, I think, for relevance. I think a lot of youth ministries, they use that term to justify certain um, preferences and music and style and stage upgrades and equipment upgrades, when in the end of the day, what's more relevant than finding a place where you belong and are loved and a place where you figure out why you were put on this earth and get to explore your purpose? So, so we've got two things. We've got long-term vision, and then you have students empowered and equipped. Let's talk about the leaders, and let's talk about your invitation to the leaders and kind of your expectations of the leaders, because I always thought that that was an important piece of the culture you guys created over there. Yeah, one of the, one of the things we told our leaders every week that we huddled before renewal and in all of our leader trainings leading towards placing a leader in a life group was you are the youth pastor to your students. We are your pastor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and you can't just say that you've, you've got to, you've got to like walk the walk, you know, you've got to put some skin in the game yourself. 
and put the ball in their court and let them actually do that stuff and give them the tools to be youth pastors to their students. It's not enough to culturally just like say that and then let them get crushed by the incredible burden of being a pastor. You have to equip them to do that. And so we, we would provide both the tools for our, our leaders to be pastors. And we saw them run like there were years that we didn't do camp but we did retreats in our life groups and we had our leaders plan and execute those retreats with tools that we gave them. When we, when we would get like to the end of a camp, summer camp or winter camp, and there'd be two dozen students getting baptized, I would maybe baptize one of those students. Mm. Everyone else who was getting wet, it was our youth leaders because they were the youth pastors. If there was a student who needed to reach out to someone at one o'clock in the morning because, you know, crap hit the fan in their home. They were calling on speed dial their leaders. And so we we really equipped our leaders to handle that, but we had their backs and we encouraged them and we gave them tools, but then we gave them opportunities within the program to actually, actually do what we were calling them to do. Yeah. And we were ve- we were very clear up front with new leaders like this isn't for everyone. It's a high calling with a big burden. But if this is what God has called you to do. And I would say there was a good percentage of the leaders that we had volunteering in our ministry that would have been fully qualified and capable to be in a paid youth pastor position at a church. Yeah. Well, and I think that you look around the city and a lot of the people in ministry in their 20s and 30s right now spent some time in your renewal ministry. Mm. You could probably come up with a dozen names right now of guys who, you know, were a part of it, who were students or leaders who now are in ministry. And I think that that's, that speaks for itself. And what you, what you said about the students seeing the youth leaders as their youth pastors, you know, that's a dispersed model. That's what we, that I, I really couldn't do pastoral care for a couple hundred people. I can't do it. I just don't have it in me probably because my gifting and temperament, but I really, really think nobody can, nobody can care one-to-one with 50, 200 people. But what you created was something that was scalable where you have one leader who can take care of seven or eight kids, be intimately connected with them. And then they're actually cared for because they're known rather than calling in a youth pastor who barely knows the kid and can walk with the parents. The youth leader shows up and they're, they, they know what's happening. They know what's going on in their lives. I love that. That's awesome. What else, what else did you guys learn? What wouldn't you do again? What What did you stop doing after that season? <laughs> oh gosh. You know, you know, we did, we made it scalable, but I don't think we made it sustainable mm. necessarily, even for the leaders. I think um, some of the burdens that we placed on them from the expectations that we felt um, were too high, too costly and ultimately, at the end of the day, like it, it was even too costly for me once I started having kids of my own. And so a lot of what I've taken and done differently in youth ministry now has to do with prioritizing the important over the urgent and the meaningful over the over excellence. Mm-hmm. And um, there are things that that I invest my time in now that look very different from how I invested my time in then, even though side by side comparison, it looks like I have essentially the same job as before. But 
there were a lot of extra events, a lot of things that we said yes to, a lot of mm -hmm. um, fringe fringe visions that I think ultimately took away from um, what made the ministry so impactful. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what you can still accomplish with an with a very large volunteer base when you prioritize the the most impactful and important um, tasks and um, projects over doing everything. I say no a lot now, and I have pretty firm boundaries now. And before I would have said, um, you know, the, the age old saying like ministry is not a nine to five job. You don't clock in and clock out when you, when you go to church. But honestly, if you have appropriate boundaries, you really can and you should fight yeah. for that as much as you possibly can. Well, to be able to do this little, for the long when you have little kids you have to like there's no way yes. to do life yeah yeah and if you don't learn how to do that as a single person you're not don't expect that to come naturally as a married person or a family person you need to have those boundaries ahead of time so yeah. i think i think that's the big thing i love what we did it was some of the best years of ministry that i've gotten to experience in my whole life and i i god gave me the gift of so much fruit during that time um, I think I've just found a different way to grow the same kind of fruit that yeah. takes less time <laughs> and, yeah, and, and gets there all the same. Well, we've got got about 10 minutes left, 15 minutes, and I, I want to make sure we hit some other stuff. But, hey, thanks for diving in and, like, getting real about that stuff. Because I think, you know, what you learn in your 30s is that energy doesn't equal impact, you know? Like, yeah. you, you look at it and you realize actually doing the right stuff for the right reasons makes the impact more than making sure that you have 10,000 water balloons for that outreach. You know, like those. As, as cool as that is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the mega events that we hope the energy will bring transformation, but the energy doesn't. Oh, totally. And oh, you end up 100%. killing yourself. Yeah. So yeah. you're now you're at Hill city. You, uh, you spun off a campus for the pursuit at the bogus basin campus into Hill city five years ago, four years ago. Yep. Yeah. And now you merged in um, with another church, have a new building or a redone building downtown next to Boise High School. Um, what's what does this season look like for you? What's what's happening at, at Hill City and what are you excited about? You know, we only just launched our midweek program here a few months ago. Mm. Uh, we and it's, it's kind of like getting to hit restart, like in a video game for my very first youth ministry position. Like, I feel like I'm coming, coming at it with, you know, a dozen kids and a handful of leaders, but the, the vision that I have for those leaders and the culture that I want to cultivate in those students. Oh man. It is like lighting me on fire. Like I'm so pumped to get to start in some ways from scratch in some ways with so much more experience and heart for what I get to be a part of. And we've already seen um, our, our midweek program. We have not promoted it to parents at all. <laughs> mm. And it is every single week there are new students there. And the only way they're getting there is because one of their friends told them about it and brought them. Mm. Um, we, we are seeing an infiltration um, of Boise high school of our students where last year we, we did, you know, the classic 
Church of Christ see you at the poll event. <laughs> and I was the only one that showed up at the Boise High flagpole with a bunch of <laughs> with a bunch of Dutch Bros coffee. And I ended up just giving it out to students and praying quietly by myself. This year we had over two dozen students show up at the flagpole mm. that prayed for their school. And we've we've gone on prayer walks through the hallways of Boise High. I I 100 percent believe that the seeds of revival are being planted right now um, in that school through our students and i'm really excited for the vision that they are taking on and starting to champion inside of their ministry field which is their high schools and their families and their friend groups and so um i'd say what what's happening here i hope is the beginning of um, a revival of, of young people in the downtown area. And it's pretty dark, man. I mean, for, for the first year that we were here at Hill city, I, you know, we, we couldn't park anywhere near the church. So I was walking about a half mile from, um, my parking spot to the church every day. And you just see, you know, before school and during lunch, you just see hundreds of students, just sitting in their cars by themselves, sitting on the sidewalk on their phones. We're starting to like prop the doors open of the church during lunchtime. So they have a safe place, you know, a Mm. sanctuary uh, of sorts where they can like sit and be safe and have lunch and be loved. And um, yeah, I I really do feel like we're doing, doing kind of like a special ops infiltration (laughs) of, of, of ministry in this part of town, but our students, are the ones doing it. And that's, what's really exciting is that's we're not awesome. just like trying to get permission for our, our youth leaders to like be in the schools. Like that's out of the question now. So we, we got to equip the students to do it. And, and we're seeing that. Yeah. So I want, I want to talk a little bit. Thank you so much for diving in. I'm excited about what's happening in Hill city and excited to have the the crew there for the conference here in February. But um, we've also invited you to join the City Network team. You're going to be leading what is our young leaders cohort. And uh, you and I talked a bit about what that's going to look like. But um, I'm I'm really excited about it because I think that young leaders have a particular need, which is they need mentoring and friendship and a network of people who are in it with them together, particularly ones who feel called to ministry and who, or who are working in ministry as young adults in their twenties. So I'm really excited about that. I'd love to hear what, what you're hoping is going to come out of that, that cohort that we're going to be launching here in 2023. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm very excited for it. I, um, I've been in youth ministry now for about 10 years, but it only took me probably the first two years to figure out that ministry very much and very easily can become an island where the, you you feel like maybe you're constantly, um, trying to pioneer new things, new initiatives, find new vision and mission and strategy. And in some ways, like, you're, you're really just reinventing the wheel. Um, and when you access the experience and the wisdom of people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, who have just as big of a heart as you do for young people, man, like your game list doubles, like your ideas for different series and sessions 
like grows exponentially. I mean, this is, this is the vision of the city network, but it's so true amongst youth leaders as well. I can't tell you how many, how many texts I get throughout the year of like, Hey, I need a quick, no prep game idea. What you got. And I like, I'll send over a whole PDF with like, here's a hundred different games you can do if you want, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is it's, it's not that I have all of the experience and answers. What's, what's really special and unique about this idea of a cohort is that what you, what you access is the just wealth of experience and information and vision from a group of people that are doing the exact same thing that you want to do that have the exact same calling that you have. And what, what that allows you to do in your own ministry is to build it into something bigger than just what you can imagine yourself, than what you have the skills of creating by yourself. Um, And, and to know that you're not alone in it not alone in the struggles of it and the heartache of it and the loss of it it'll it would allow someone who was maybe pioneering something very similar to what we did when we first started renewal to hear hey i know you just lost 50 high school kids but this is the right move and in three to four years you're gonna see the fruit you will reap the harvest but it's gonna be hard until then and just know you're not you're not alone and you can share that stuff here in this cohort well, and that's, that's really what we're trying to create is you, you, we all need two kinds of input. We need people who are in it with us, who are doing the same thing and they're, they're solving the same problems and they're dealing with the same types of issues with kids. And so you need, you need each other for that functional stuff, but then you need somebody who's a little further along in the journey, a mentor who knows what questions to ask, who's, you know, someone as old as you, you're like what mid to late thirties, right? Yes. Yeah. Somewhere there. <laughs> uh, someone as old as us who are who have a little <laughs> bit of experience, got 10 or 15 years of student ministry saying, here's what's really going on is it's almost always inside the the leader themselves that needs to be transformed. Yeah. And then their leadership is going to grow. So, so our hopes with these co- cohorts is that they are getting a network of friends to do ministry alongside with alongside. And you and I know like, the pastors in the network and city network, we've all been in it together and we love each other. And like, there's this bond of like communitas band of brothers in the, in the trenches together, like that bonds us. And that's what happens when we partner up in these cohorts. So we want to see that happen, but also want to connect you with leaders around town who are a little bit further in the journey and maybe outside of your chain of command in your church someone who will give you good advice and be a friend mm-hmm. when stuff is hard. And that's, yeah. I'm really excited about what you're doing with that, man. So we'll, we'll be launching those probably starting January, February of next year, be on the lookout for information. And if you want to get a hold of um, our team, fill out the form at the city network.org and let us know that you're interested and we will get you on the list to hear more about those cohorts coming up. So yeah, man. Well, we're we're about ready to jump off, and uh, man, there's always there's always more to talk about. But we'll have you on again now that we've got you, and, and maybe bring on some of the young adults that you're working with to talk about. Yeah, like, like how to reach next gen. What are some of the the cultural things you're seeing and opportunities for the gospel to to emerge among among our teenage and young adult friends? So, absolutely, anytime. 
Thanks for being on today. And thanks for listening to the City Network podcast. You can find it on uh, any of the podcasting services or our website, thecitynetwork.org. Make sure to reach out if you got any questions on social media or fill out the form on our website. Take care. Thanks for listening to the City Network podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org slash group. Or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.